Welcome to Subliminal Message Studios, ladies and gentlemen. And as always, I am your host, Leonardo. Guys, please uh, go check out my podcast as well. You can find me on YouTube, Spotify, Anchor, almost any social media platform that is out, uh, out there. Tune you guys in on what's going on at YouTube uh, real quick. So they put me on strike. I will be unable to upload um, on YouTube for a week. And then after that, they'll just flat out ban me because I'm just going to do it again. No, I'm just playing. Now, um, on reality, guys, um, all my uploads will be based on here, guys. So please, guys, um, follow me on Rumble, guys. I really, really feel this is where Subliminal Message Studios belongs is here on Rumble. So, guys, like, subscribe, share these videos everywhere, guys. And also go check out my podcast because, Lord have mercy, there's a lot of things that I say on there. And I'm still kind of working out the algorithms and and all that jargon. I'll just I'll I'll leave it there. Um, that being said, um, when I do start posting to YouTube, it'll be a kind of a different show, so I just don't get uh, flat out banned on there. But look out for it, guys. Let's go. Could the CIA be knocking off Ukraine's oligarchs? We don't know for sure, but the mysteries around Ukraine's born oil tycoon Mikhail Wetford, he was found dead in a Surrey mansion. They have all the hallmarks of a CIA hit. Now, Mikford, uh, Mikhail Wetford, 66, was found hanged in the garage of his mansion. The body of Wetford was found by a gardener at his home on the Wetworth estate. This is, of course, the media reports. We, all, we also want to note he was not one of the tycoons sanctioned by the UK government. Mikhail was born in the Soviet Ukraine in 1955, but moved to the UK in the early 2000s. Now, Wetworth changed his name from Tullus Shia when he arrived in Britain. I am uncertain if he tried to sound more Chinese or more British. I'll leave it up to you, the viewer. The tycoon lived with his Estosian wife, Jane, 41, their two children, Michelle and Alexandra, and an older son, Michael, from his first marriage. And another associate of Wetford's is already being quoted all around the world wide web. His death raises questions after all the suspicious deaths of Russian nationals and associates in the UK. But yeah, suspicious. In America, if someone looks suspicious to us, we just shoot them. And then we put it all over the Internet so there's no chance of anything looking suspicious. Now, the police said that a probe into the circumstances of the death is underway. But it is not believed that there are any suspicious circumstances at this time. This is coming from the Surrey police. The same police that was accused of tampering with evidence in the 2012 death of millionaire Russian businessman Alexandra Felifisikinia. I'm probably butchering his name. My bad, dog. Who lived in the exclusive St. George's Hill area of Weybridge. It's also interesting to note that this actually happened days after the invasion, invasion of Ukraine. Is someone trying to clean up loose ends? The CIA does have a very, very, very big history of doing that. Now, digging into Mikhail's past reveals a little insight of what might have happened to Mikhail if he was killed. He was once said in a press he once said in a press report in 2015 when asked of his childhood, he said it was spent in a big four-bedroom apartment with a bath and a car, and it was very comfortable in Soviet era Ukraine. 
In terms of luxury, it was the equivalent of traveling by jet by now. That is obscene, very neo-Nazi if you ask Zelensky. But going on, Mikhail was once accused of stealing $1 billion from the Ukrainian price range, but no charges were ever brought forward. He was also dubbed the King of Diamonds. We're getting hotter if you're paying attention to what's going on in Indonesia right now, with the IMF paying mercenaries to cultivate huge scores of golden hidden away in the valleys of Indonesia. The trade-off of value was supposed to be met with the exact value of diamonds, but thanks to Russian oligarchs and Ukrainian oligarchs like Mikhail, kept holding out on IMF Bank. He also acquired 27 massive plots of land, greater than 26 of that are positioned outdoors of Kiev and are unfold throughout Ukraine's four largest cities, Kyiv, Karov, Dunpro, and Odessa. Which just so happens, and I want you guys to pay attention to this because these are facts, and I'm about to, and I can't make this stuff up, by the way. This just so happens to be where the bioweapon labs are located. And who owns the deeds to these lands? Mikhail. Another interesting fact is Mikhail solely succeeded to deliver overseas funding into Ukraine during this invasion, up until the point he was found hanged by the gardener. He additionally acquired himself a seat in Parliament as a member of Parliament from the radical get-together in 2014. Kind of a CIA back coup, no big deal, nothing to see here. Even more revealing is Mikhail's was directly involved in the overthrow of Ukraine's government in 2014, which makes him expendable. Critical race theory, the misallocation of funds, school shootings. Just as the school day was ending, the shooting started. This cell phone video captured the gunfire and the screams of the high school students trapped inside their classroom. School bullying. Who's to blame? The parents or the teachers? A teacher in Indiana banned from school property after allegedly hitting a student. Security footage appears to show former Jimtown High School teacher Mike Hosinski slapping a young student in the face. The student hit his head against the wall and then fell to the ground. School board granted the teacher an early retirement last night. Police are looking into this incident. Or the school board of your state, or maybe it's a little bit of everything and a little bit of it all. Maybe to find a clue of what's going on, we always have to venture back into history. The late 1800s marked a time when educational theory in America began to shift away from schools imparting knowledge to children to schools that focused on changing behavior in children. Psychologists began to ponder not what kind of things should be taught, but rather what kind of children they wanted to mold for society. One of the earliest experimental psychologists responsible for this shift was born in Germany in 1832. William Witt, and I'm totally destroying his uh, uh, last name too, whatever. He laid the philosophical basis for the principles of conditioning later developed by Pavlov, who studied psychology in Leipzig in 1884. Then an American behavioral psychologist, Watson and Skinner, who worked in laboratories and electroconvulsive therapy, I apologize, they are the ones to started to move for schools to be more oriented toward socialization of the child, then toward the development of the child's intellect, wiring children for the emergence of a society more and more blatantly devoted to the gratification of sensory desire at the expense of responsibility and achievement. Now, John Dewey, often called the father of progressive education, was profoundly influenced by the theories of William Hoyt. 
He believed that through a stimulus response approach, students could become conditioned for a new social order. Does that sound familiar to you at all? Soon paid for such a radical change and the complete destruction of America's school systems. It was brought to the United States through the effort and the coalition led by Carnegie, J.P. Morgan, and Rockefeller, along with major universities like Columbia, John Hopkins, the University of Wisconsin, the University of Michigan, and the University of Chicago, all were to be the first for progressive socialism and extreme Marxism. Other companies involved were Ford, Mellon, Peabody, Sage, and Whitney. And these events can all be marked out with certain Supreme Court, uh, court cases. One particular case is Brown versus the Board of Education, where private school uh, where private school funding and private schooling reached its zenith in America at the time of Brown versus the Board, and has been on the decline uh, and has been on the decline ever since. The share of U.S. school-age children attending private elementary schools peaked during the post-war boom of the late 1950s and in early 1960s, reaching 13% in 1958. But by the mid-1970s, it had fallen to 10% and remained quite steady for the past of the 20th century. During the subsequent 15 years, it drifted downward slowly and was slightly less than 9% in 2015. Another fact is, according to NCES, there were 71,994 school districts across America, 1951 to 1952. That number shrunk significantly to 13,588 by 2010 to 2011. So when we ask ourselves, who is to blame for the radicalization for our schools? Ladies and gentlemen, we don't need to look anywhere other than look at the facts and look at ourselves because it's us. It's our fault for not being more aware, not being more vigilant and taking care of our freedoms and not taking our freedoms for granted. But we can stop that right now by being more unique, by having more intellect and finding ourselves as individuals, by remembering who we are as a nation America has done some of the greatest things in history, and we did what no other country ever could. We won our freedom from our slave masters. So let us not turn into slave masters ourselves. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as the Sackler family pays out $6 billion in a settlement, Yale maintains its ties to Purdue Pharma. And the Sackler family will pay $6 billion to victims and survivors of the opioid epidemic, as well as the states, mainly the states, though. For, the role, for their role in causing the crisis, despite the ruling and years of mounting criticism of the Sacklers, the university has kept this family's name on two endowed professorships and an institute. Because that's where the famous Skull and Bones Society was born, and killing people is what they worship. Skull and Bones members are known to take an oath of secrecy, so their rituals and intricacies are highly guarded, despite the fame of their members. One thing we do know is the physical location of the Skull and Bones Clubhouse and Headquarters. The nearly windowless building, simply known as The Tomb, is housed in a large brownstone located at 64 High Street in New Haven, Connecticut. To preserve confidentiality, non-members are prohibited from entering. The macabre decor of the clubhouse is well suited to Skull and Bones' distinctively ghoulish spirit. 
tomb is said to be adorned with skeletons, skulls, and other dark works of art. There is a popular rumor that the stolen skull of the Apache leader Geronimo is a relic that is housed within the tomb's cadaverous walls. In 2009, Geronimo's descendants attempted to sue the organization to get the skull returned to them, but were unsuccessful. Like former presidents George W. Bush, George H.W. Bush, and William Howard Taft, as well as the father of American football and the founder of the NCAA, Walter Camp, the man who helped create the Hubble telescope, Lyman Spitzer, Time Magazine's founder Henry Luce, Supreme Court Justice Potter Stewart, former Secretary of State and Senator John Kerry, the so-called richest man in private equity, with a personal net worth currently valued at $15.7 billion, Stephen A. Schwartzman, political journalist and author Dana Milbank, and the youngest member of President Obama's cabinet, economist Austin Woolsby. Now, as part of the agreement, the Sackler family must apologize and allow institutions to remove the Sackler name from buildings and scholarships. Connecticut will receive approximately $95 million from the settlement, which will be used to run to fund opiate treatment and prevention. The state will receive $5 million from McKinsey and a company as well as $300 million from distributors who, added and, who aided and abetted Purdue Pharmaceutical, including Johnson & Johnson, Cardinal, McKinsey, and American Source, Beijing. But just some insight on why Yale decided to not cut ties like New York. New York City, they removed the Sackler name from seven of their galleries, but the Sackler family has endowed two professorships at the Yale School of Medicine, one being the David A. Sackler, Professor of Pharmacology and the Richard Sackler and Jonathan Sackler Professorship in Internal Medicine, and, has, and have also endowed the Sackler Institute for Biological, Physical, and Engineering Sciences. Professor Mark Lemon is currently the David A. Sackler Professor of Pharmacology, of Pharmacology, the Richard and Jonathan Sackler Professorship in Internal Medicine was established in 2009, following a $3 million donation from the family, and the position was held by Dr. Thomas Lynch until 2015. Told you they love killing people. So how much did the actual victims of this case get? When it's all said and done, the victims of the actual case will only be left with a measly $35,000. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The Sackler family has killed hundreds of thousands of people, and they are directly responsible for the release of a great drug, fentanyl, that has continued to kill thousands and thousands of people. They are the ones that directly started the opiate crisis. But the states, they're getting over $300 million to supposedly create opiate prevention crisis centers. But the actual victims... The people that know what it is to be an opiate survivor, the people that have died from it, and the families that have suffered from, and the families that have suffered from it, well, they're only left with a measly thirty-five thousand dollars. Now, if these were cartel members from Mexico, they'd be in prison. But because the Sacco family knows all the right demons, they won't spend a day in jail. They have gotten away with spending pennies to the victims of the opiate crisis and to America. Sure, this might be the biggest lawsuit in history. Oh, well, hundreds of thousands of dead from the release of their drugs. But of course, in some of these secret societies that plague countries with disease and war, then step in at the last moment and tell everyone they have the cure to the problem that they created.
same old story, just a different beat. The whole world is about ready for a war and about ready to go to war. And what is the White House doing? Well, they're focusing on equity right now. Not equality, by the way, but equity. That's what President Joe Biden's speech was all about in his State of the Union address. Seems like a smokescreen to you because it is. No one wants a war. And the only people that are rooting for this is the elites and the puppets that are guiding your television screen. So just keep this in mind right now. As we speak, we are directly funding neo-Nazis out in Ukraine and have been for a very long time since the end of World War II. The vice president then, which is the president now, Joe Biden, was directly involved in the overthrow of the government in Ukraine. Then they put a more ethnic cleansing kind of guy in. Is that what they wanted? That's not the, what the American people wanted. I know that for a fact. But that's what the elites, that's what they want. They want to destroy this world. Well, in other news, folks, a top Ukrainian cybersecurity official said Friday a group of voluntary army of hundreds of hackers enlisted to fight Russia in cyberspace is attacking only when it deems military targets, prioritizing government services, including the financial sector. But then the Ukrainian government goes on to say that there have been about 10 hostile hijackings of the local government websites in Ukraine to spread false text propaganda, saying his government had capitalized. He said most of Ukraine's telecommunications and Internet were fully operational which makes absolutely no sense. So they basically go on by saying, we're using hackers to make sure that our government websites don't get hacked. But by the way, 10 hostile hijackings of our local government's websites have happened. So it's not us, but then again, it might be us. It's kind of their way of, you know, of getting to you. Meanwhile, while all this is going on, Vladimir Putin is calling for the normalization of relations with the other states saying Moscow has absolutely no intentions with regard to our neighbors. Speaking video link at a ceremony raising the Russian flag on a Kassigrad ferry, Putin called for global coordination, saying, I think that everyone should think about normalizing relations and cooperating normally. Too bad that's not what the least want. They want war and the destruction of the Western world. It's in their papers. So ladies and gentlemen, make no mistake that this is going to be a war that is going on for that is going to be going on for a very, very long time. And we here at Subliminal Mustard Studios will try our very, very hardest to be at the forefront of this. But I'm going to reiterate when saying with so much disinformation going on, it is truly up to you, the viewer. But no matter what you believe in and what you think, always, always believe in yourself and believe in America. Because whether you like it or not, this is the land where our families are being raised on, and this is where we will raise them on. And this is Subliminal Message Studios. Thank you very much once again for joining me. Please, guys, donate to this channel, like, subscribe, share these videos everywhere, guys, because they're literally already trying to shut us down, ladies and gentlemen, and the reason they're trying to do that is not because we are spreading disinformation. It is because we are hitting right at the right place in the right time, and we are hitting them right where it hurts. And that is exactly why they are already trying to shut Subliminal Message Studios down, is because we are hitting them where it hurts. 
This is Leonardo. I am your host as always. Thank you very much, and I am out of here.